two, episode one, beef is over, but we're just getting started talking about it from a spoiler-filled perspective here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, everybody. It is the continuation of the Bear Podcast here on PSR, talking through season two of FX and Hulu's the bear i'm josh wiggler you've heard from me a bunch about the bear this season already if you listen to the two previous podcasts about season two of the bear in which great emily fox and myself talked through the first half of season two without having seen the second half of season two yet and then we watched the second half of season two and got into everything there over the course of two broad discussions now comes time to butcher this thing. Break it down to parts. We're going to turn this animal into a 10-course feast as we are moving into episodic coverage of the bear. The warning that I give here right off the top is this podcast assumes you have already watched the bear season two and that you, like us, are not done with the bear season two because it was so good. And you want to keep thinking about it. You want to go back. You want to rewatch it. You want to have a deeper dive on the bear season two. These episodic recap podcasts are going to be for you. So they assume that you have seen through the season two finale. Spoilers, they're in as a result. And while you're hearing my voice right now, mine is not the voice that you shall be hearing more often than not on these episodic recaps. I may pop back in at a certain point. But the person who I am here with today is taking the lead. I'm just the Sue. She's the head Jeff. Very excited to bring back Marissa Garza. For Marissa, your first thoughts on season two yeah. so far, now that you've seen it. Um, how many times have you gone back and watched season two of the Pharaoh? I'm on my third watch. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. I mean. So good. I uh, just going back and rewatching the series premiere, not the series premiere, the season two premiere today, um, filled me with great amounts of joy and then also like a little bit of sadness. Like, oh gosh, I everything I can do to stay away from the freezer. Yeah, no kidding. Also, like, I was talking to people who were watching after me and they're like, I want to watch and finish it, but I don't want it to end. And I'm like, I know, I get it. I get it. I get it too. Well, that's kind of us. We don't want it to end. So you get. 10 more podcasts about the bear season two starring Marissa Garza and guests. Uh, I think the way this is getting done, two podcasts a week for the duration, I believe, Marissa. Yep, yep. Yeah, you want to set up what we're in for. Yes, we will be serving to you on a podcast platter of your choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Two podcasts a week. We'll be talking with various guests. I choose pizza as my platter. That is not surprising. It's uh, it's round. (laughs) It is round. Sometimes it's sturdy. Like and it also can be fine dining, as we yeah. learned in The Bear. That's right, yeah. And uh, these episodes will be a quick little plot recap, but then we'll be diving into some of the storylines. Also, like, uh, looking at the those storylines in perspective of the series as a whole. So especially in this episode, I was surprised how much was foreshadowed yeah, and same. how much was set up in this first episode now that I've watched the entire season. Um, so that's kind of what you can expect here. We'll be bringing in some articles that we find, some you know feedback things we see around the internet town, things like that. So if you want to live in the bear for a while, we're here for you. Um, can I just uh, give a preliminary shout out to as far as bringing articles in for these episodes, I can't wait to share with you my article with Joanna Callow, 
director, mm-hmm. one of the directors of the fair uh, and co-showrunner, I believe. Uh, I got to speak with her in her capacity as a director, not as a writer. Nice. Should, be, should be pointed out. Uh, yeah. About, okay. uh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Given uh, the time. Yeah. We're not crossing call. picket lines nope. here. Uh, about uh, episode three of season two of the fair, which she directed, which is uh, Sydney's Day Out. We had a really Aww. fun conversation. So, Marissa, I'll make sure to send you the link. Yes, please. I think there's good information for episode three. Yeah, and uh, what a tour of Chicago that one was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm really excited, yeah, to get your Chicago takes because they, they were sorely lacking from my conversations <laughs> with Emily. Emily, of course, professional chef. Neither of us, we're both professional New Yorkers, <laughs> Emily and I. Uh, she's also a professional New Englander. She's a very professional person. Uh, and, we love that uh, about Emily. Thanks, and Emily. so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the ways in which uh, you uh, are, are lensing this as a, as a, a Chicago love letter. Yeah, I remember so much is that I had called my parents last night and they were like, there's so much, there's so much. I'm like, great. I'm going to come down and take notes. Just make sure I get it all for the pods coming forward. So for sure, for sure. It'll be great. Yeah. So, well, Josh, do we want to get into the quick plot recap of this episode? Yeah. Should we call it the quick fire plot recap to like tie it into some top chef? Yeah, let's do it. it. That is the multiverse we all want. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) The Bear Season 2, Episode 1, Beef. We're back at the Beef of Chicagoland just in time to watch the sign come down while a worried Carmi and Sid look on. It's the end of an era as the building undergoes a facelift. And a gut. The good news is, is that everyone is here to help make the Beef the Bear. As one might imagine, the process isn't going very smoothly and a budget of pretty good numbers written on a pizza box isn't going to help. Sid realizes this and asks Nat to be their project manager. It's an interesting thought for her, and one that Nat really needs to think about before she's ready to commit. Missing from that conversation? Cousin! Richard Lawrence (laughs) Jeremovich. He's downstairs contemplating his purpose amid all this... new stuff. He's worried that Carmi is going to drop him because he has no skills. When comparing himself to Carmi, he thinks, at least this is fun for Carmi. Carmi assures Richie that just because he's good at something, it's not fun for him. And Richie asks the question on all of our minds, well then, what is? Even though she's not officially the project manager yet, Matt can't help herself and she runs the numbers. It's not good. Sid adds to the concerns by letting them know that the gas is off until they pass their fire suppression test. While doing so, she falls through a wall. (laughs) Just the start of the inner demolition of the beef that we'll see throughout the season. While searching for paint in a crawl space, Richie sets off an alarm that takes a while to be turned off. They don't let this stop them, though, and while realizing that they need some money, they call in Uncle Jimmy for a partnership opportunity. Carmi tells him that he found the money, he's not going to pay it back, and he's asking for more. If Carmi can't pay it back in 18 months, Jimmy gets the building and they're done for good. A classic CP. A Carmi problem. Now, with an influx of cash and the start of a plan, Sid, as the new chef de cuisine, remembers that she's going to need a new Jeff. So she asks Tina if she wants the job of Sue. That moment brings the biggest smile on Tina's face as she lifts it up in the air and accepts the job. With the day done early and everyone at home, Carmi can't seem to sit still. He rushes back to the restaurant to find Sid and Matt there too. Realizing they need all the time they can get to pay Jimmy back, they take their six-month plan and squeeze it into a three-month plan to open. 
what could go wrong? <laughs> the answer is so many things can go wrong. Luckily, a lot can go right, too, yes. which is one of the great beauties of this season of The Bear. But gosh, Marissa, a lot, it turns out, can go wrong. A lot can go wrong. But I think this episode as a whole went right. Yes. I, you know, I think it, it set us up for a lot of things. Uh, so many things. I think, um, like, I, I just think about, like, the Richie scene about purpose and how that's going to get paid off as we go deeper into the show. Uh, just the idea of um, Tina with that big smile and the yeah. journey that she's on. Like, there are some happy things that happen here in the Bear season, too. I think that those are the things more than, like, the sad things I'm really trying to, to cling on to as I'm continuing to process season but they do a lot of great setup work here in the premiere well would you like to take a, a dive into the the menu of stories we were served on yes the, let's on do this what's, what's what's our first course what should well, we eat first um today we have a lovely sandwich called the original burf uh-uh, i'm not eating anything <laughs> called burf i draw a line you can't even put that on a pizza i won't eat burf nope <laughs> Let me tell you something. No. <laughs> no way. Uh, this is a it's too close to like two words of things that I'm not going to eat. Is. It's nope. a collector's item though, Josh. It's a collector's item. Okay. Yeah. I'll wear the shirt. I'll wear the shirt. I'll wear the burf shirt. I won't eat the burf. <laughs> not eating burf. This is Richie uh, finding his purpose. I got to tell you, I know Richie's not everybody's favorite. Um, he is definitely mine. Yeah. He's all the way from season one. And when we first see him in this episode, he just like, looks up. He's like, do you ever think about purpose? Oh, my cousin? God. I yeah. was like, Richie. <laughs> well, so for me in the first viewing, and I think during our conversation, like I, I said, I love Richie as a character. I think he's such a great character. He's that guy who's like just smart enough to know that he's a bit of a POS uh, and not like smart enough to like get out of his own way. And I think I am very, very happily proven wrong over yeah. the course of the season. Uh, and that by uh, especially episode seven, which uh, to me, I know people talk about episode six. I think episode seven is yeah. my favorite of a lot and maybe my favorite of the whole show. Uh, and it's so Richie focused and about Richie turning that corner uh, and finding some joy and finding this nebulous thing called, called purpose. But at the time of watching this on the first round, I'm like, ay, ay, ay. Okay, <laughs> we're setting this up because Richie's going to be the guy who flames out hard. Turns out uh, he passes the balloon test. Ultimately. Yeah, well, so we had um, hypothesized on our preseason podcast that he was going to be like a PR problem. Right. For, and, and in the end, I think he might have been a PR asset for, yes. for the bear. Value um, add. Yeah, yeah how, how he... Uh, ended everything out he's in a place of self-improvement though we do see that he is trying to emit certain words from his vocabulary uh -huh, and yeah. he hasn't said things in a couple of of weeks which is always good and yeah. i think it's also important to see that he's being supported by everyone <laughs> they're like yeah don't say that but also not like making him feel bad sure he like slips up they know, they, i think that they know he's trying uh, and i think that they have every reason in the world not to extend him this much rope uh like i yeah. think like he's he has walked outside and fired a handgun into the air you know like you don't need to give this guy uh another shot um but he's family Right, he's like family. he, uh, like uh, he, I heard, heard that resent that when he's uh, yeah. overhearing Sugar saying that he's not actually a cousin, uh, which was so funny on the rewatch. Uh, 
Um, but he is fa- he is family at this place, like a big important point for Carmi specifically, right? Is like the rehabilitation of this historic space in his family, and based on their reconciliation by the end of season one, Richie's continued involvement is really important to him, um, and not just as a Mikey stand-in, but certainly at, at least in some some small part. So um, yeah. I think if he's sort of like a fixture as far as Carmi is concerned, then if they want to be in business with this guy, uh, with this guy being Carmi, then it kind of, you know, it ends up going to everybody else. of like, I got to give Richie a bit of a shot too. Ultimately, I think it bears out positive. Yeah. And there's that in the conversation in the basement, Richie is really concerned. He's like, I have no skills. I was reading the story about this guy who got dropped because he can do anything and all this stuff. And Carmi's like, I'm not, I'm not going to drop you. Like yeah. I, I got, I got you here. So totally was watching that. I was like, wow. Can't wait to see him drop him. That's <laughs> well, and I, I don't know if Richie's ever been in a situation where he has someone believe in him and take, take that chance on. So like, yeah. as we kind of see Carmi throughout the, se- the season, not accept good things happening to him. I was kind of worried the same thing was going to happen uh, for Richie. We also see he's still very actively grieving Mikey in this first episode. He he doesn't know what to do with all this new stuff. But when Sid falls through the wall and through the newspaper picture of Fenway, this is like top priority for him. He needs to make sure that it's like back to normal and there. And I I just I, I know we focused a lot on grief in season one, but it was kind of nice, even though grief grief is grief to see it a little bit hung over here it's not like we're we're starting everything fresh right it's still part of the equation yeah and i but baked within that is this desire to um uh, as 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 my favorite show says not letting go moving on yeah like and i think like there is this desire to move on um and to uh uh Another of my favorite shows uh, has a great line of change your heart or die. Uh, and I think like there's a bit of that going on here in the transformation of the space into a thing that is not only hopefully going to be sustainable uh, and ideally achievable, uh, but if it is achieved is going to be like transcendental, right? Like it's going to be this thing that's yeah. going to take them to this totally different stratosphere and Many of the people here are like really jazzed and invigorated by that prospect. And then others are like having a hard time getting on board. But I think just about everybody, uh, and if there isn't somebody, you'd have to point them out to me. I think Richie is sort of like at the back of the pack in terms of enthusiasm for, for the change. Maybe Ibram is in that uh, equation as yeah. well to a certain degree. Um, but he knows that it's happening and he's leaning into it. And so there's that moment where like, he walks in, his first instinct is to berate Sid, <laughs> and then he's like, three, two, one. Like, he literally uh-huh. does the countdown. Uh, and so I think episode one of this season does a good job, especially in hindsight, knowing that Richie is going to clean his act up really significantly uh, and not just look fantastic in his suit. Uh, he wears suits that- now. He wears suits now. I wear yeah. suits now. Uh, that like he is, he is really trying, and he's trying from the jump. Uh, and you do see it, and it's not perfect. Uh, and I, I agree. I don't think he can talk about lightning that way. <laughs> yeah, agreed. 
you know, but like he's trying, dude's trying, yeah. he's trying to undo a lifetime of bad habits. It's I, not going to happen overnight, let alone three months. And he's giving himself the opportunity to see himself in a space. I don't think he ever saw himself in. Yeah. Like if you, like everybody else has this idea of what this restaurant could be and what it takes and everything, but this is not a world Richie has ever really lived yeah. in. So yeah. he's, he's taking the baby steps there. Um, I did just want to highlight one other great scene with Richie in this episode, which is the alarm scene, which has a lot to do with this episode in general. But from Richie's perspective, is trying to turn off the alarm, calling the alarm people, saying Kevin McCallipper was just <laughs> yeah. high, yeah. high co- a comedic effect for me. Yeah, yeah. Kevin McCallipper and everyone <laughs> quick to defend. As I assume, Marissa, you're one of your great Chicago heroes. Yeah, Kevin McCallipper. Yeah, I mean, you can go see the house and everything yeah uh-huh. um well josh how would you rate the original birth uh at a scale of one to five uh the original birth uh as a sandwich a negative twenty thousand. <laughs> uh the original birth aka richie's transformation and his journey towards purpose this is you know this is damn near 10 out of 10 yeah stuff for sure yeah 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 it was so it was so cool to see it happen this season and to see its beginnings here yeah. well are you hungry for more Always. All right. We, the next dish we have on the menu is called Aw Friends. And this is celebrating the relationship between Sid and Tina. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really cool to see Tina was like concerned from the very start about Sid. Like, hey, you're going to need a new, you're going to need a new Jeff. Yeah, like, you need you're going to need Jeff. some help. And she was all about learning how to clean pans and everything. I got to say, Barkeeper's Friend, I know you talked about it on the pod with Emily, but it is, it, it, it comes in clutch. I it had is, never heard of it before. I really hadn't. It's a thing that I had to use on my parents' pans when I was a kid doing the dishes. And it would take, it would change the complete color of the pan. It was great. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. still is great. Yeah. But her, you can tell she's like really wanting to learn this entire time. She wants to learn about the science of cleaning pans she wants to learn about everything that happens in the kitchen and she's just like really happy to be there she's not exactly expecting to like get this promotion and it was so cool to see um i i was like smiling so hard alongside tina uh in in that moment and like also knowing that like Tina's just getting started here this season too. But uh, Liza Colon Zayas, who uh, plays Tina, and I mentioned on uh, the last podcast, uh, David Zayas' partner, uh, that uh, uh, he's Angel Batista, among other things, from Dexter. Uh, so I, I was so happy to, to learn that fact. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, Sid is trying to like offer her the job, and I loved Sid's moment of Eureka too. Yeah. Of like, all right, you got to start hiring people. And Tina has to leave for the day. Uh, see you later, Jeffries. And she just has that light bulb that goes off. Um, that conversation between Sid and Tina of like, okay, Sid is coming in. She knows exactly what she wants to ask. But Tina is like, not, it's not even something yeah. remotely on her radar of her being the person who would get asked about this. Um, it Just the way that it all plays out in the moment that Tina is just smiling. Like, is there a better smile on television? Show it to me. Find it. It lit up the world, I think. I the think, world. You know, the whole world had a moment of peace yeah. and clarity with that Yeah. Because yeah. she's so, she's just, it was, ah, I have no words. That's yeah. how good it was. Yeah. Um, and she picks up Sid and she's like, oh, you're so strong. And, and her response, Tina's response is, yeah, I am. 
Yeah, it was I am. So good. I am. Yeah, she just like lifted her up and demonstrated her secret mutant power of super strength. Uh, Sid's gonna keep that secret, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's, yeah. It would be in her best interest to have yeah. her on the side and just know when to unleash Tina when yeah. she needs to. Mm-hmm, for sure. The other thing I found really telling about this episode in particular with their relationship is when Sid falls through the wall, like Tina's super concerned, not about anybody else, but just about Sid and coming from where we came before when she didn't even acknowledge that Sid was working in the kitchen and didn't want to change the system and all of these things. She's peeking around the corner and just checking in on Sid, making sure she's okay. And then going back to her business, we've come so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is one of the best enemies to friends stories on television. It's it's really great. I mean, like there was really just that one episode of like really intense animosity, right? Yeah. Uh, between the two of them. Back With the mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the hiding of the, of the knife yeah. and like all of this stuff that was like really crappy behavior, like just like really, really, really bad. Uh, but that is in the distant past. Uh, and I think like the moment that Sydney started taking Tina seriously and like Sydney, like, uh, like it's just like something that's sort of like inherently good about her is not just her talent, but a desire to like improve others around her. Uh, like this is what she's aspiring towards. This is a big part of what she and Carmi both want to bring to the place. Uh, and in Tina, it wasn't even, I don't think anything remotely resembling, um, an agenda of like, get off my ass yeah. or anything like that. It was just like, that's really good. Great job. Or like, do this and it'll prove it. That's really good. Great job. And like, from that moment, Tina looked at Sydney differently. uh, And I think started to develop such extraordinary respect for her. Uh, And so now that they're at this place where Tina, um, outside of Carmi and Sid, I don't know, and maybe Marcus, like who is, who is more excited about what we're turning beef into than than Tina. And now to find out that Tina is going to have this incredible opportunity, um, this uh, this idea of like this, the rare thing of like actually promoting from within. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, like somebody who has been here forever. You know what this place was. You know what this place, frankly, still is. And maybe you know what it could be. Uh, and I would love for you to show me what it could be. Um, just that trust, that belief in Tina uh, is so, so great to see Tina's reaction to it. But I think also just such a wonderful reflection of Sydney as a person, too. It's just like, I'm going to lift you up as we're lifting this thing up. Yeah. And this is even before, as we see later on in the series, she's trying to learn about leadership by reading Coach K's book. Like she has she has all the ingredients already. She doesn't necessarily need to, you know, go on her own. I mean, it's always good to, you know, improve yourself. But she's she's good here from the start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else for you on Sid and uh, Tina in this episode or beyond? No, not yet. Um, uh, I look forward forward to you, uh, of course, whoever you have on your podcast when Tina does karaoke. I expect there will be some sort of wand off included. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, until then, I think I'm I'm good. Would you like to rate all friends? Yeah, this was so cute. I mean, listen, uh. 10 out of 10. 10 out, 10 out of 10 out of 10 for the Richie story. We've got line. winners here. You know, we've got winners for for, for sure. Uh yeah. Uh, no notes. No notes on Sid and Tina. Well, let's take a break and then we'll finish our meal. All 
right. Our last meal on the menu today is titled Not a Fact. Not a Fact. Not uh, a Fact. It turns yeah. out this renovation is not a fact. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> glad you're not calling it Fact News. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, if because there's had, nothing fake about the fact. Would you would you subscribe to Fax newsletter if he called it Fact News? I would. And... I would not. I would not. <laughs> um, I would subscribe if he called it the Facts of Life. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. And then like he wrote with his brother. That'd be yeah. Good. So much fact this season. Yeah, so much fact this season. I don't know why I'm surprised because Manny Matheson was uh, bounced up to series regular this season, but there ended up being so much fact. I'm not complaining. I think I actually, I may have been a little out on Manny Matheson heading into season two of The Bear just because it was like very vicey for me. So it was like kind of taking me out. Mm. Certainly. Other things took me out this season, which I, I feel like I've talked about a little bit on the previous pods, but mm-hmm. Manny Mathis is not one of them. Uh, big Neil <laughs> Fat Guy. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah. He, and, you know, the restaurant is used to leaning on fact for all renovation. Yeah. Anything yes. that needs repair. Uh, but as we soon find out, this is much bigger than a fact job. Yeah. Because Carmi, Carmi also is kind of coming to this realization that this this is a bigger project than he thought because it's like yeah how hard can it be let me just like write everything on a pizza box it's fine and then his math is wrong and he doesn't really know how things are gonna go together it's costing yeah. more money than they had yeah i think pizza box can be a platter as can a pizza itself i yes. don't think it can be substituted as a calculator <laughs> uh, or as a yes. like a very effective spreadsheet true not yet not yet yes. not yet, not yet. <laughs> Yeah, so they're they're having to solve the problem of we don't have enough money for the many, many renovations that are going to have to happen, plus paying the staff. I was very, uh, it was very nice to hear him say he already set aside the money for Mm -hmm. paying so that we don't have to worry about that, which is what I was worried about. I'm glad that was taken care of. But I'm also glad that they're like, our salaries too. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, right. Yeah, no, that's all, that's all done. Uh, It's like, you should say that first. Yes. Agreed. Well, we've got like physical challenges going on. Sid's got a little bit of an emotional callback here, trying not to make the same mistakes that she did last time when she had her Sheridan Road um, business. So that's why she's really leaning on Nat to be the project manager. And I really liked how this storyline did get Nat more involved here. Yeah, well, I think that a um, uh, a critique of season one that I know Emily and I both have uh, is that she was really underutilized. Yeah uh in in season one where like she was like kind of like as far as like the core cast goes like a consensus lvp because she just doesn't have anything um this season she has a lot this season they give nat a ton of storyline uh and i think beginning by having her come into the family business is like a really narratively wise choice but i think a thing that i'm tracking a little bit more now going back and rewatching marissa is that she is sort of like like Carmi becoming Mikey as Nat becomes yeah. Carmi, right? Yep. Of like now like Carmi's inheriting Mikey's mess and he's going to try and turn it around and he's going to try and run this thing differently. But certainly by the end of the season, Carmi yet is not able to run this thing any other way than sort of like the brutalized, toxic path that he had been shown in his career. Uh, and however you want to map that onto, on, onto Mikey. Where I think Nat, I think Sugar, 
she she wants like a thing to do for sure but there's some sense of like family obligation that's playing into this now too yeah which was really what drew carmy back in yeah i like in the second episode we get a little bit more into why she is where she is at the moment and her whole thing about like adults don't take take time to do new things and everything there's it's it's not an easy yes or an easy no for her and i appreciated that yeah for sure um i guess we should probably talk about like one of the best scenes pretty much ever i think was the alarm scene Mm -hmm. when everyone is asking uncle jimmy for money yeah and i we got so much information from the scene the first one is like there's this blaring alarm sid's got earplugs nat's got earplugs jimmy is like complaining carmy's like i don't mind it it's yeah yeah i think the uh gosh it's quoting all my favorite shows today let's bring bring tony almeida from 24 a noted chicago man uh into (laughs) into the mix uh, where he says in season four, when uh, when Kim Raver as Audrey Rain is asking Tony Almeida uh, for the uh, for I, I think that she's like trying to ask about Jack. Uh, she's talking about Jack Bauer and she wants Jack's best friend's insight. Uh, and Tony says to her, "Some people are more comfortable in hell," uh, is what he says. Then she's like, you talking about you or you talking about Jack? And it's like, whoa, sick burn. <laughs> uh, but I think Carmi's more comfortable in hell. Uh, well, you know, like, I think like that's at, at least if it's not that he's more comfortable in hell, it's like, I've lived here yep. for some time. Like his uh, nervous system is attuned to hell. Like that is correct. what it is. And I love how the scene like tells us that. And then in episode six, like the frequency of that alarm is in all of the motion and commotion and everything that's there it continues on it was so well set up yeah yeah really 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 brilliant uh and i think like the ways in which it's bothering everybody but carmy is obviously very pointed yeah of like no that's just that's like air that's just like you know it's just like you gotta breathe it like otherwise what are you doing like what are we complaining about breathing uh it's like no you could probably do something about this and uh but that's like a very like sort of like reductive dismissal of the pain this guy is gosh i could not have related harder to the idea of like uh you love this stuff it's fun for you and then him being like i love this stuff but it's not always fun i was like huh (laughs) oh sure Ah, you wanna, I, feel, I feel attacked, but okay. Call up Carmi and talk about it. You know, so like I really got that. I totally understood that. And I think like the blaring of the alarms, we don't need to go into therapy here on the podcast. Chris. But like I, I could probably take a guess at a few of like, what are the alarms in my life that are just going yeah. on that I just lived through? Uh, and then very importantly, there are probably so many alarms no idea about uh so you're getting that with carmy right here i think it is very very relatable for just about anybody uh no matter what walk of life you've got there are certain things that you just kind of allow yourself to get used to and just get incorporated and baked into as part of the process and i am certainly not saying that that's a healthy thing but i do think it's a deeply human thing yeah you get calluses your Mm -hmm. hearing will adjust you know things 
your baseline rises, the more you're around chaos, all of that, all right. of that is true. And I think it informs a lot in terms of who Harmy is compared to everyone else yeah. in that room. Yeah. Uh, Cause you've got Richie making jokes coming in and out. You've got Sid and Nat like focused, trying to like get the money from Jimmy. Yeah. Um, how fun was it to see Jimmy back this season in this capacity? He's great. Uh, and I, I, you know, coming into this, uh, we were talking about like, uh, you know, is he going to tell him yeah. about the money? He was like, no way. And he tells him like right away. Uh, and he tells him right away. He's like, I wasn't going to tell you. So like, <laughs> you know, like, I guess prophecy kind of fulfilled. Uh, but I think um, uh, Mike Bloom and I are podcasting about The Witcher season three. And for those who don't watch the show or who do watch the show but haven't yet, I won't spoil anything other than to say that there was a, a world in which The Witcher season three took one of the more maligned aspects of season two and stretched it out over the course of a bunch of different episodes, as opposed to taking within the time within the first episode to like artfully and elegantly address it uh, and move it along to a much better narrative position. Uh, and I would not compare like the, the marinara money uh, mm. and keeping that away from Jimmy necessarily as that thing but I think that the, the expected dramatic choice is Carmi is going to have this big secret that he's keeping from Jimmy and that's going to lord over everything in season two yeah. and come to some kind of like really shady head. But I think that that would have been really unrealistic for a bunch of these characters to be able to live with that. Speaking of the alarms, right? Like Sid's not going to ultimately no. be good with that. No chance. Uh, so... I think that while it's the expected dramatic choice that he's going to keep this a secret, the better choice is what's made, and it's to bring Oliver Platt closer to the center of the sun, right? Like, I think, yeah. like, that's a good move. Oh, uh, bring him in. Bring him in. Great partners ask great questions. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to that whole thing, it, it also speaks to the fact that Carmi wanted to start from a positive place. So he's like, look, I got to own up to this. I got to say it. I'll take it on. He assumes responsibility. He says, if I don't pay you back in 18 months, you can have the building. You can have the lot. He also realizes that that impacts yeah. everybody else in that room. Yeah. And, and so does everybody else by calling it a Carmi problem. So I think mm -hmm. it also just speaks to where he's at. Carmi problems. <laughs> oh, gosh. I have a lot of MPs. <laughs> hey, I got a lot of JPs as well. So. What are you gonna do? One of the things we find out in the conversation with Jimmy, though, is what KVL stands for. Uh -huh. And I thought this was really interesting. It's Jimmy's last name, Berzato, and then Uncle Lee. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uncle Lee, Bob yeah. Odenkirk. Uh, importantly, when you when you look at uh, at the Wikipedia for the Bear season two, uh, Bob Odenkirk as Uncle. Lee Lane, Ooh. and if uh, if it sounded like I had just done air quotes over the word uncle, then your ears <laughs> require no further attunement. You got them, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, quote unquote uncle Lee. So not actually their uncle. Uh, yeah, just like, like Rich is not actually a cousin, right? But I think like Rich's family in a way. That like it's Uncle, more family. Oh that yeah, that Uncle Lee. We could get. We could take her. Lee, Uncle Lee does Uncle not seem Lee. like he's an add value for Donna. I'll tell no, you. No, like you know? those scenes were very uncomfortable. Yes, I did yes. not enjoy them. 
Um, but Uncle Lee being uh, being Jimmy's partner, um, you'll have more of a chance to talk about Odenkirk deeper into the season. But just while I'm here, yeah. we're, we're talking about know. a season three character. You think? Uh, do you think that we're that the story of, of all the people in that episode in episode six? Obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is the one who you would expect to have the most like involvement on the show mm. moving forward. Um, you know, John Bernthal notwithstanding, of course, too. But like Odenkirk would probably be second on that list, right? Oh, if if it depends on where Jimmy got the money, and if Jimmy got yeah. the money from somewhere that Lee doesn't like, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure we'll see him again. Very weird for me to be talking about a character named Jimmy, and I'm not talking about Bob Odenkirk though. <laughs> yeah, uh, so you're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah. One other thing I just wanted to point out when it comes to the whole renovation, the the bear as a whole, uh, was the planting of forks from season one. Yeah. So good because Nat says, I think we're we're short on forks. I can't wait to talk about spoons. It seems like a throwaway line. It seems like something, but forks in this series is very, very important, as we know in episode six and as we know in episode seven, which yeah. is named forks. Do we think that every season of the bear is going to be like spiritually inspired by a utensil? <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the what fork was season, season one. What was season one? Uh, season one knives. Uh, season one was probably knives. Yeah, of the stabbing. Yeah, the stabbing in the butt, and just the fact that the knives are out and we're sharp. <laughs> like it's like very like you're like surviving season one of the bear feels like surviving a knife fight. Uh, yeah. Where season two of the bear is, uh, I think, represented so well by the fork. That the fork is like representative of uh, you gotta get like you gotta polish your forks, you gotta get the table settings right. There's an art to it. Yep. You have to learn the art to it. And some of these characters are gonna be able to learn the art of the fork, and then others are gonna fork themselves up. Uh, so I think like in the effort of turning this thing into like an organized system and situation, the forks are very representative. Uh, and I don't know which season will be the plate, but that feels like end game. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 I think um, it also represents kind of a fork in the road for Carmi in sure. terms of, you know, food or fun. Like, yeah. where are we going? Yeah. What, you know, he's presented with an off ramp here in life. And there was a point, I will say, in the series where I was like, and I mean, it's quite evident at the end, like they could do this without him. Yeah, so, I know. I know. Like, yeah. how how does that work for him? So keep your eyes on the forks, peeps, because yeah. they mean something. The forks are here. The yeah. forks are here. Uh, how would you rate not a fact as a storyline? Yeah, the renovations of it all. Um, ten out of ten. I love the premiere. <laughs> I think. I think that. I think. Truly, I was just talking to a friend about it who had just finished watching, uh, and like he felt very strongly that season two was better than season one. Agreed. Um, and I also agree, which is insane, uh, because season one was such, you know, uh, a non-denominational lightning in a bottle, yeah. right? Like, it is just, like, it was it was rare. Uh, and, like, just as the chef intended. Uh, and I think season two, the fact that, it is even um, heightening so much from season one that all of the elements add to this beautiful, horrifying boil at the end of this thing for, for Carmi. 
but um, so many beautiful side effects for so many of the other characters. Uh, and then some questions of like, was this good or was this bad for certain people? Marcus's story is really heartbroken. We haven't really touched on he yeah. opens the season, which yeah. I know we, we'll, we'll talk about. But like so much is set up here in, C- in, in episode one of season two for a season that if this season is better than season one, if you buy into that the way that it seems you and I both do, Marissa, then like most of these episodes and most of these storylines yeah. will probably be 10 out of 10. Yeah. I mean, we got to earn our star, right? <laughs> We're try- yeah. <laughs> then the challenge will be, can we retain it? Um, I think they got the star in season one. Yeah. And re- they retained it in season two. Do they retain or add? Uh, I don't know. Do they? Maybe they bet. Well, I would only say add because the viewership on yes. the premiere was 70% up, which, by the way, if you can have these metrics, you can pay your writers. That's all I'm going to say about that. Correct. Um, but it was one of the it was the most watched Hulu premiere ever. So yeah. uh, I would say it, it, it got an, an it, extra it star. It added a star. I think it added yeah. an extra star. Yeah, I well, let's round out the pod here with some finishing touches on our dishes. Uh, as you garnishes. Had, yes, yeah, some yeah. microgreens. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, the episode does open with Marcus's mom being sick. And um, I didn't really know what to think of this at the beginning because it's, it's a very dark in both, um, you know, emotion and logistics way to mm-hmm. open up a series. But the way that we see Marcus care for his mom, I think, tells us so much about who he is as a character. And like he puts on hand sanitizer and then warms up his hands and puts before he puts it on his mom. It's just like the, that extra care that's already there for him. We know it's going to translate to the bear, but he's also got his mom is sick. He's got yeah. this going on, too. So at the end of season two, uh, as we're kind of like yeah. putting bows on each character, Marcus's phone has been ringing off the hook on a night where he is not totally his best self, yeah. uh, I would say. Um, you know, he and Sid are able to kind of like have their bounce back by the end because uh, the dude from SNL, whose character I think is named Josh, yeah. uh, is smoking crack outside. So a very easy consensus will fire him. Uh, that's probably not somebody you want to continue to employ. Um, but he will be getting these these messages that heavily, 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 heavily imply that um, he loses his mom in this yeah. moment. And so we're not going to know what the fallout of that is. I I wondered, I had a couple of thoughts on it, but I, I wondered if you had any takes about this being the way we start the season. Uh, to start with Marcus's mother being sick when you know that it's not the final note of the end of the season, but it's in the season finale of Marcus's mom passing. And it's a through line, like throughout uh, interactions with Marcus, even like in episode four, he brings it up in Copenhagen. He like people are checking in on him. It's a big part of who he is and you can tell how much his mom means to him. So I wonder if he's going to need a sabbatical or some sort of break to deal with the grief or if the grief is going to take him off his game going forward um and or you know what it will do with his personal relationships i don't know about there's a lot of conversations about ships in Mm -hmm. this season sure and i gotta say in season in this episode the first interaction between marcus and sid was like awkward like i don't know what's going on like i was picking up some vibes here 
Yes. Were you also picking up yes, vibes? Absolutely. But I think it, at least partly informed by him basically asking her out. Uh, but, you but, know. Yeah, like he did that like at the end, but like in the yeah. first episode. Right. It was like, what did he say? He was like, so, like we're an well, aluminum well, pan or something it, like that. Yeah, like did you time that? Or, yeah. You know, so like I think like, you know, between like the the meal and the season one finale and then yes. you know that it's building towards this awkward uh you know attempt to to take the relationship to this different level that at least uh in the moment is not really reciprocated um that uh yeah it felt very charged in in that way um i also don't ultimately know what i want out of marcus and Sid. um i, I think marcus either. Marcus seems to know. Uh, I don't know if Sydney feels differently or not. Sometimes, and I think this is a great part about Sydney, that Sydney can be a little hard to read for me occasionally. Uh, and I think that that's great. I love that yeah. as, a, as a character trait. Um, and I think like that is also just like such a difficult thing that she, as a character, uh, deals with uh, quite often throughout the show. Um, but I think that Marcus is such a fascinating figure in season two of the bear like the copenhagen episode is is really really terrific and then i think like less about i mean i i do think that like marcus and his feelings for sydney that are developing throughout the season and are kind of like reintroduced if not introduced here in the premiere ties into some of what i feel about like why is the storyline with marcus's mother the thing yeah. that kicks us off yeah. into the season which is obviously an enormous theme of the bear, but specifically here in season two, as we leave the kitchen in ways that we had never even imagined we could in season one, which itself just like structurally in terms of storytelling form um, is, is really like this wise way of exploring, like there could be life outside of work, right? You can have a, a life outside of work. We can have a show outside of the kitchen. So I think it's like just such a, a really clever way of doing that by like taking the show on the road as it were this year but i think marcus and his mother and then marcus and the the sort of like the really awkward slash outright bad way things go between yeah. him and sid by the end of the season i think speaks to while yes life is possible outside of the kitchen and life exists outside of the kitchen striking that balance that work-life balance is like a forever struggle for many people, if not most. And I love um, that it's like reflected through multiple characters yeah. in, in this series. I think like Carmi and Sydney being the main characters of the show and then like Richie right in there too. Like I think you kind of look at them as sort of like the big three of the bear right. uh, are like sort of like the three primary characters that so much of this is lensed through and really Carmi and, and Sid. They're such obvious examples of how the theme of work life gets explored on this show. So to thread it through Marcus, who I think is sort of at the center of this Venn diagram, he's a really important character and was a really important character in season one as well. Yeah. Um, he is somebody who is in the process of honing his powers and developing his gifts and discovering them relatively late in life. So he gets like a little bit of that Tina aspect into him as well. And sort of that like real preciousness and obsession over very specific dishes that Sydney and Carmi both possess as well. And then you're anchoring him and attaching onto him this new revelation that kicks off the whole series that underneath all of that, that we've already been seeing uh, through our journey, through the bear through season one and up to this point, um, now you find out the, like the, the, uh, the elephant in the room. His mother is sick. 
he is uh, not completely alone and caring for her, but like he is taking on so much of care and he's trying to do all of this on top of it. Um, and I think that the bear ends with this, with this note here in season two with her passing away on friends and family night while he's really in the thick of the shit. I have not fully processed what that um, tells me about how the show interprets the balance between work and life and where you get there. But it feels kind of cynical to me. Uh, and I'm glad that there will, I assume there will be more bear yeah. uh, beyond this point. But I think having it go through Marcus, who is not necessarily like the super obvious candidate for that, I think that the show really wisely uses him as a character to explore some of the most central themes of the show, which is how can you uh, untangle your life from your work when the two things systemically are just so integrated. Yeah. And it also reminds me of in season one, when he was like, so focused on the donut that he blew a fuse in the bear, like, yeah. and everybody had to like cook outside, like that whole thing. Like it was a little bit of a foreshadow into what we see at the end of the season with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not saying like I don't blame him. Like that's a lot to that's a lot to keep hands He's, on. He has like, a he has a lot a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. One other person I wanted to make sure we mentioned was Ibra. He like we see him like tending to his wrist. He's not as you know full of life as he was at the end of season one. Uh, in terms of what he they did with his character, I like how he was kind of set next to Tina during this whole time and you could kind of see like the two choices that someone can make in the situation mm -hmm. and also like the fact that the team didn't really give up on him was also very nice to see yeah long term yeah. um yeah i think that uh, the the more that i think about him and his character this season the more i kind of lament that we didn't get uh the way that we get some like real great character spotlight yeah. episodes would have loved one um it may have just been too depressing though well, I mean, when his first reaction to having to wear to go to culinary school is, "I don't want to wear a uniform," like, right. and don't look them in the eyes. There's a lot. There's a lot right. going yeah. on there. Yeah. So maybe like it's just better this way that uh, if you're not directly affiliated with the bear with the restaurant, that you don't get uh, like the camera doesn't follow. It doesn't yeah. follow you sort of like in the same way that in like the wire when you're off the case if you're not like involved in like, like the camera de-emphasizes you you fade away you know uncle jr uh on sopranos as he like goes further and further like he's into like dimension everything like he's less involved in the show uh so like maybe like you're not in the bear you're not in the kitchen you don't get showcased as much i think i'm good with as as a narrative choice um which is why i'm like triply glad that he comes back yeah uh you know um but he, on on my season three wish list is is more of him uh and getting to explore his interiority a little bit more but i think an effective job of like with the amount of screen time that they do give him i do feel like you really understand like yep. what that vibe is like uh and like the no this is terrifying i don't i i'm i'm scared like you're never too old to be scared yeah Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One, they, they set up so much in this episode. There wasn't a lot of Chicago things going on, but I do want to call out the one Chicago behavior we did see, which is only scraping off half the windshield. So why do you do that? Why half the windshield? I, it's a thing. You'll see people like 
driving down the street. It's uh-huh. so cold, Josh. It's so cold that it takes so much time and you got to get to work that you only have time to do the driver's side of the windshield. So then <laughs> as you're driving down the expressway, you will have snow flying in your face from other cars Great. who have not done the thing. It's a whole thing. It sounds whole so thing. safe. But it was so funny because I was watching this episode with my parents and they both called it. They're like That's half really the windshield. So That's really fun. funny. That's great. And finally, it would not be the bear if we did not talk about the needle drops in this episode. Did you catch the theme song to Black Sheep? Uh, <laughs> I, in... I thought it was The Great Escape. No, 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 no. <laughs> I promise you. Different, different show. Yeah. We had The Show Goes On by Bruce Hornsby. And it would not be the bear if we did not have a Wilco song in Handshake Drugs. Handshake Drugs, yep. I have enjoyed the longer music takes we're getting in the season. Like they're letting the music go for longer. It's really helping build an ambiance and a mood and how they're cutting that with scenes of the city. I mean, Bruce Hornsby is a very Chicago vibe, especially like with the horns and like just the vibe as a whole. So it was a great, I think, tone setting for, for the entire season to start. Yeah, I think that the, the, like the soundscape, of the bear is is like a really underrated player here like i'm also thinking about the i don't know if this is original to the bear or if they're taking a different song but like that is the bear yeah like the one that like kicks off when carmy is like sitting at home and he's like i gotta go back yeah i just think that the way that that like it's like all right shit it's go time you know like I feel like uh, between that and I, I called out with um, with with Emily when we were talking about the back half of season two that uh, spiders comes back, which was part of the um, the review episode in season one, and so like it's now like leaning in on some like some sonic familiarity that you have that if the, if episode seven of the Bear season one traumatized you the way that the show intended it to, that you would hear the song by Wilco that was playing during that episode when it was so messed up um, that you would now know like, oh, 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 everybody calm down. Spiders is on. Oh, please, 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 please don't play the whole song. Uh, and then it starts to fade away and it goes away. And like, even like the cinematography changes, we break the Warner, all of that stuff. So um, there's just so much intentionality behind the bear that the filmmakers, the writers, uh, production do- uh, design, music supervisor, from top to bottom, uh, you know, from like, uh, from from chef to to dishwasher, everybody involved yeah. in the restaurant to silent partners, uh, I think are turning in uh, Michelin uh, level work, uh, and it, it really shows. There's just so much attention to detail; it makes this show um, infinitely rewatchable. Except for episode six, I'll never watch that. Again. It's too stressful. Can't. <laughs> so hard. Can't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will include in the show notes. I did find an article called "The Bear Season Two Soundtrack: Midwestern Dads Rejoice." Mm. So <laughs> I will, I will include that. Sounds um, fun. Just if you want to get more into the music, Josh. Thanks so much for uh, coming into the bear today. I hope you My found pleasure. the service great, and uh, hope we'll see you again. Is there anything you want to tell the people before you leave? No, uh, <laughs> I will, I kick you out of before the I kick me out. Uh, no, I uh, thank you for letting me overstay my welcome. I'm sorry I kept the restaurant. <laughs> the UN uh, is coming, Josh. The yeah, UN Council I'm, is coming. You know, I'm sorry that the restaurant had to stay open past close because I kept ordering dishes. So I apologize about that. No, a uh, huge thank you to everybody who uh, allowed Emily and I to infiltrate your bear feed for it was a little. Good. While uh, that thank you extends most to you, Marissa, and the great oh. Latanya Starks uh, for letting us share the booth uh, while, uh, while we were able to. So we had so much fun talking about it and watching it in the binge. 
uh, and I will be watching along and really excited to to rewatch this. If uh, the rest of it is as rewarding as rewatching the season premiere, um, then I, I think uh, this podcast is going to be uh, in for a ride. And mm-hmm. just getting to like spoil myself on some of the people who I know you're going to bring into conversations. I'm very excited. I think the podcast is in yeah. uh, in in really great hands, and people are going to be very excited about what's coming up next. Thank you, and thanks again to you and Emily for covering uh, the start of the season. It was so fun to listen to your. So this is what we think. Yeah. What we think is going to happen, and then yeah. oh, this is what we know what's happening. Yeah. It's very fun. Very fun. All right. Well, everyone, thanks again for coming in. And until next time, let it rip.